is where the industry insiders come to play. The download on the download, movers and shakers off the course, and the pros inside the ropes. Welcome to Slice with Brian Bushlack. The spectacular Reynolds Lake Oconee, the setting for Masters Week, as we count down to what I think could be the most compelling and competitive Masters ever. We're going to welcome NBC and Golf Channel commentator, former PGA star, entertainer and ambassador of the game, Peter Jacobson. You know, I'll never forget the first time I met Jake because it was my first assignment as a young TV sports reporter in Portland, Oregon, a sweltering August day, 1991, to cover Peter's party, the Fred Meyer Challenge. And of course, I wanted to look my best, so never mind those 90-degree temperatures, I suited up <laughs> with the tie and the wingtips, and while I may have been the best-dressed reporter that day, uh, I certainly looked way out of place, and by the end of the day, not only looked out of place, but I, I looked like I'd probably been going through a car wash with the top down. I mean, I was drenched. In any case, I got my introduction to golf coverage that day, and needless to say, the next day, dressed more appropriately, and got to interview one of my heroes, Peter Jacobson, who every summer for 25 or so years brought the best golfers in the world all the way out to the Portland area. Arnie, Jack, Johnny Miller, Gary Player, Lee Trevino, uh, Chi-Chi, Fuzzy, Payne Stewart, Freddie Couples, just to name a few. Peter's party was the all-star game of golf with Jake Trout and the Flounders performing on stage and Jake doing his spot-on impressions during that clinic. If you have not seen those impressions, just check them out on YouTube. It was two days of fun, a two-man team competition where we as reporters could actually walk alongside the players and interview them on the course. Now, I'll say this, a lot of what's seen today as quote-unquote innovative was happening way back when at Peter's party. And no one in the game today spans the generations from Arnie and Jack to DJ and Rory and Ricky like Peter Jacobson. No one I can think of respects the rich history of the game while at the same time making it very approachable and entertaining for everyone. So I caught up with Jake in between events to recap the last big event for the big names anyway, the WGC in Austin, and, of course, to preview what will unfold at Augusta. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us. Before we talk Masters, get predictions from you, and what's going on in uh, Jake's world, let's talk about Austin, and let's talk about what happens off the course at that PGA Tour stop, because I know it's one of the favorites for the players and the personalities like you, right? <laughs> There are uh, there were so many stories at the match play. Obviously, Tiger not getting to the final. He played well. He played well to get out of group play. And the emergence of Kevin Kisner, who was runner-up last year, who's turning out to be an incredible 
match play player and one of the toughest guys that you'd ever want to face. This new star on the uh, from the European tour named Lucas Bjerregaard. Nobody really knew who he was, including me. I'd seen his name on the leaderboards in Europe, but I had never seen him play. And I was incredibly impressed. And then also you had the little dust up between uh, Sergio Garcia and Matt Kuchar in their, I think it was their quarterfinal or semifinal. It was quarterfinal match. So there were a lot of stories going on in Austin. Where do you guys like to hang out in Austin? I mean, that's such a great town, isn't it? We had so much fun. I actually had my wife, my older daughter, and her two boys in town. And every night we were pretty much outside on the streets. And it's incredible. The energy on 6th Street in Austin, when you're walking up and down, there is music coming from just about every doorway. And there's there's restaurants and we ate at a couple of restaurants down there that were absolutely incredible. One Mexican place called Iron Cactus was spectacular. And somebody mentioned uh, when I was out with my NBC Golf Channel crew, they all mentioned that you better be good in Austin because if not, you'd probably be out of business really quickly because there are just a lot of people downtown and they expect something good. And every restaurant down there was packed with people having a great time with music and booze and just just an incredibly uh, vibrant, fun scene. Okay, we've got Augusta coming up. We're going to talk about that in just a bit. But uh, you've been uh, a big supporter. You host the Drive, Chip, and Putt. What's so special about that event in your mind? This is the sixth year, and I've been involved every year. And one of the things that when it started – it was uh, put together by the Augusta National Membership, the Masters Tournament, the PGA of America, the, the club pros around the country, and the USGA. And it was an experiment to see if they could grow the game. And not only did it grow the game, it was really small when it started, but it's exploded. That I think that they're eventually planning on having international juniors as well. But every year we have 80 boys and girls, 40 boys, 40 girls come to Augusta. And these boys and girls are so poised. They're so mature. They are so ready to be able to be on a national stage like Augusta National. It really sends the message that the game of golf and this country are in great hands because of these young boys and girls that are so mature. And it's it's fun to meet them. It's fun to talk with them. In fact, one of the young girls that I met five years ago, Alexa Pano, I've stayed in touch with her and her father, and she's playing in the Augusta Women's National Amateur right now. Oh wow! And we're having we're having dinner uh, during the uh, drive, chip, and putt. But it's just fun to be able to see these young boys and girls grow within the game, because as we know, golf is a game for a lifetime. Yeah, it's a cool event. I think. Uh... You know, to see you're a parent, I'm a parent, and, you know, to see the parents and the kids there, it really is, I think, you know, at Augusta, that setting, I think the whole thing is what makes it so special, right? It is, simply because the boys and girls and their parents, don't forget, everybody gets a caddy or a quote-unquote chaperone, and a lot of times, these parents that are golf nuts, they've never been to Augusta National. So here comes a father or a mother and they're chaperoning their 8, 9, 10, 12-year-old child 
onto the grounds of Augusta National. They drive down Magnolia Lane. They walk through the clubhouse. They have a chance to see all of the trophies and, and everything that is in the clubhouse. They get to hit balls on the tournament practice area that only players in the Masters get to hit on. It's not a membership area. It is only for the Masters. So when these kids leave, they can say, I hit balls in the drive, chip, and putt on the same range that Masters participants play on, which is cool. And they get to putt on the 18th green, the actual 18th green of Augusta National. So this is just a a memory for a lifetime. The kids may never get back and play in the Masters. You never know. The percentage of 80 kids having a chance to play on tour, the odds are long. But that doesn't diminish from the fact that they have a chance to say, I actually got to hit the putt that Tiger Woods and Adam Scott and Jack Nicklaus and Bubba Watson hit when they won the Masters. It's, It's pretty special. So talk about special and your first trip to Augusta, young kid growing up on the West Coast, Portland, Oregon. Uh, I mean, that's a long trip, obviously. Tell us about that. What was it like the first time you went to Augusta? Well, the first time I went to Augusta was uh, the first time I played. Being from Portland, I never I never had the chance or the, the finances to travel to Augusta to go watch the Masters. So the first year that I was eligible to play, uh, my first time there and I was I was like everybody else I was overwhelmed when you get there and you drive down Magnolia Lane and you get out of the car and you go into the clubhouse and you've got your name on your locker and you walk outside and you go play it was surreal it was completely nothing I really expected to happen but the one thing that blew my mind and I think anybody that's listening to this right now that has been to the Masters or been to Augusta National knows that the elevation change on the golf course is shocking. When you watch it on TV, you it looks you know, like there's some uphill shots and downhill shots, but when you actually put set foot on site, the change of elevation is incredible. The uphill shots and the downhill shots, they are you're going up quite a significant hill on a lot of holes. And that's really what makes it so unique because you don't have flat lies. You've got side hill lies, ball above your feet, ball below your feet, uphill, downhill, different stances. Those are the things that really hit me the first time I ever played Augusta National. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, I mean, 20 years ago when you opened Oregon Golf Club. And a lot of people at the time were like, oh, my goodness, this thing, we're built on a side of a mountain here, you know, and up and down. And you said, well, hey, you know, you should go to Augusta. It's just, it's about the same as Augusta. And we were like, you got to be kidding me. It's, it's this hilly. And you're like, oh yeah, it's, it's a lot, a lot more hilly than you think, right? Yeah. I would say that Augusta National is hillier than Oregon Golf Club in, in West Lynn, Oregon, the course that, that Jim Hardy and I designed. It's a special piece of property right on the, right on the Willamette River. And it is uh, it is a unique golf course simply because of the uphill downhill shots. And I actually think that the way we design the golf course, it's going to make you a better shot maker. You've got to create shots, but it's also going to help you improve your short game because you have to learn how to chip. That's the one thing is when you don't put a lot of bunkers on golf courses, which I don't, and there aren't that many at Augusta National, you actually have to learn how to chip. And and if you can learn if you can learn how to chip, 
there are a lot of golf courses that you can play really well on, and Augusta National is one of them. Yeah, and speaking of that, uh, the hilly nature of Augusta, I mean, that's the when you know, my first trip there, n- number two, you, that, you know, you make the turn from one and down that gargantuan hill. I mean, it's it's really cool to position yourself about maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the way down the hill and watch guys coming down the hill and going for it in two. Yeah, there's there's so many vantage points. People, when they go for the first time, they'll they'll ask me or they'll ask other people, where do I go to see the best vantage point of, of different shots? And all I tell them is you have to experience it yourself. You may want to be in the middle of second fairway to watch the, the balls go into the green. You may want to be on the fourth tee to watch the second shots to three and then the downhill par three, four. You may want to plant yourself over on 16 and watch play come through. Uh, fortunately, television gives us a chance to watch it as it jumps all over the golf course. But anybody that can get to Augusta just one time for a practice round or a tournament round, it's it's really one of the special, special experiences in sport. Yeah, we sat on the hill uh, above 16 last year, and I liked that because – well, you've got beer and bathrooms close by, which is very important, and souvenirs and all that good stuff, food. But you can see, obviously, the 16th tee, 16th green. Uh, you've got number six coming down the hill there. You can see that green off to your left. You can see 15, that elevated green there. And, and that's where, you know, we were there on Thursday last year when Sergio put, what, four or five balls in the water and, you know, watch that live action right there. And just, I mean, so you can see that 15th fairway and, Across the way, you can see number seven. So you're right, though. Then you walk down to Amen Corner, and you've got 11 off to the left, and obviously, you know, the signature hole, if you will, number 12. And uh, there really isn't a bad spot to watch on that course, is there? No, there really isn't. It depends on what you want to see. 12 is the iconic par three, probably the signature hole right there in Amen Corner that so many players have trouble with. I had trouble with it. It's only, it's probably 140, 150, 160 yards long, depending on where they put the tee and where they cut the, cut the flag. But it can be anything from a wedge to a nine iron to a six iron, depending on the wind. But it's such a narrow little strip of land that, uh, as we saw Spieth a couple of years ago, he put two balls in the water, he had a big lead, and he lost. Yeah. So anything can happen, believe me. When the players get to 12, they are holding their breath and they have butterflies in their stomach because anything can happen. I'm not a big stats geek, but I have you, it looks like, in 11 Masters over the years, and you made the cut in 10 out of 11. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I did. I I never played very well uh, in terms of having a chance to win. Because I just don't think my putting was up to the level that you need to to putt at Augusta. It is now. That's the one thing that, as I've gotten older, my short game has gotten better, probably out of necessity. But I I was always a very consistent ball striker. I didn't make a lot of mistakes. So at Augusta, I was always I was always under the cut line, and I I like your like you said. I think I I only missed one cut. I do know that I had to withdraw twice uh, due to a, a back problems. So uh, it was no fun to be able to go to Augusta, hurt your back, and have to pull out. Which year was your, if you had to pick a year that you played there, 
of the 10 or 11 that was your favorite? Well, that's a I, probably my first, only because it was such an eye-opening experience. It's such a fun experience to be there, to experience what I've seen on TV, to to rub shoulders with the greats in the game, because they're all there. Anybody that had won the Masters gets a lifetime exemption. So I'm teeing it up in a tournament with Jack and Gary Player and Arnold and Seve and Tom Watson and all the guys that were my contemporaries, but also guys that were older, that I, Bob Golby and Doug Ford and people like that. So it was uh, it probably my first one because it was uh, so special. What's something about Augusta that not very many people know? I would say, other than the uh, the elevation change, the up and down shots, I would say the food. People don't realize nowadays when you go to a, a burger joint, you stop in, you might pay a five or six or seven dollars for a, a cheeseburger. When you go to Augusta, the prices are ridiculous. You can still get a barbecued beef sandwich down there for a buck and a half or two bucks. Yeah. Uh, they haven't raised the prices in the concession stands because when you get there, it's just a, it's kind of a throwback experience and the clubhouse uh, is they're never going to tear that clubhouse down and build some huge monstrosity. It's an underwhelming type of experience because when I say underwhelming, I mean, architecturally it's the same clubhouse that's been there for for 75 years and and that's and, there, and there's some beauty in that and that's that's what i love about augusta national is you drive up it's understated but you do become overwhelmed with the history and th- and the tradition and the and the significance of augusta national you know it's interesting jake because i i, I love that comment because you know, going there last year, and then you, you go back and you watch old television broadcasts. And I said this, we taped the show a while back, and I said, you know, it's timeless. It looks the same, and obviously trees grow and they move things around. But, I mean, on those those wide-sweeping uh, panoramic shots of the course from 1975 to 2019, it really has the same feel, doesn't it? It does, and I think the uh, they do a wonderful job on maintaining the same camera angle, so that you're when you look at 2019 to 1975, you see the same angle. And as you said, some trees come, some trees grow, but the basic routing and the basic playability of the course stays the same. The faces change, the players change, but the excitement and the, the drama of every Masters tournament stays the same. Indeed it does. Peter Jacobson joining us on Slice as we count down to what will no doubt be more than just another Masters. I think this is going to be the most fiercely competitive and compelling week we have ever seen at Augusta. I'll tell you why in just a sec. Meantime, just down the road from Augusta, halfway to Atlanta, the most spectacular setting, a place where if you dream it, they're already doing it at Reynolds Lake Oconee. You have to be here to fully appreciate how this place is so special. Six championship golf courses, that's just for starters. The boating at Water Sports, 374 miles of pristine shoreline on Georgia's second largest lake. 
And beyond the fairways and the water, there's a million other things to do. Uh, Ten dining venues, the sporting grounds, tennis courts, the pools are incredible, and the Reynolds Kingdom of Golf presented by TaylorMade. So if you're looking for that ultimate family getaway, this is it. No other place like this in America. In fact, we travel all the way from Seattle. Visit ReynoldsLakeOconee.com to book your visit and experience the lifestyle Reynolds members live every day. He sucks at golf, but he talks a good game. Now, back to Slice with Brian Bushland. And continuing our Masters Countdown, thanks to everyone at Reynolds Lake Oconee and it's obviously a busy week at the resort, so we'll be back in two weeks to revisit, play the National and the Oconee courses, and go behind the scenes here for exclusive shows at what I believe is America's best destination resort for families. And continuing our conversation with NBC and Golf Channel analyst, former PGA star Peter Jacobson, who played in 11 Masters. By the way, he made the cut in 10 out of 11 And this year, we have an epic clash of past and present. Tiger is officially back. Phil, a winner this year, he's back. The young guns, Rory, Ricky, and DJ, all going for their first green jacket. Of course, Rory going for the Grand Slam. Jordan Spieth. Augusta is really like home turf for him. Be interesting to see how he plays. Other major winners, Kepka, Molinari, also in the mix, and a dozen other serious contenders. And as I mentioned to Jake, all the ingredients here to be one of the best masters ever, with the big cat in position to make a statement. I agree with you. I think Tiger is back. Uh, I've watched him play from last fall to this year, and he does have to watch his back. That's the one thing that he's very aware of. He knows a combination of not only a fusion in his back, but his age is 43 now. He's got to be careful not to overdo it. So he's really, he's got, he's got the right perspective there. He's hitting the ball longer. He's hitting it better. His putting is coming around. But you look at Tiger, you look at Rory. Rory could complete the career grand slam if he wins the Masters, and he's been close. And then you start looking at players like Nicholson, who's always intriguing to me. And he's won at Augusta before, and his short game is so good. It always it always keeps him on the first page of the leaderboard. But, but Kisner, Bubba Watson's won twice. Don't forget about Justin Rose and Dustin Johnson, the number one and two player in the game. You've got Brooks Kepka, who is probably the most underrated player in the game today. All he does is win majors. And then you look at you look at the European contingent. You got John Rahm from Spain and Tommy Fleetwood from, from England. So I just mentioned eight or ten players there that that every one of them has a legitimate chance to win. I didn't mention Justin Thomas or Ricky Fowler or a young man who's really been struggling lately, Jordan Spieth, who could come right out of uh right out of this funk and boom, get back on the leaderboard and win. So it's, it, it is going to be compelling to be able to watch it. I'll be there for the first couple of days of practice round, and then I'm going to take off after the drive chip and putt, and I'll be tuned in watching every minute like everybody else. 
So if you had to break down each one of these guys, I mean, let's talk about the the big cat first, Tiger. Do you like his chances this year? I mean, how realistic is is it for him with that deep of a field uh, for him to really pull through and win this thing? Can he do it? Yeah, I, I think he can. We saw that at the Tour Championship last fall when he was paired with Rory and he had all these guys breathing down his neck. And everybody was wondering, well, it's great to see Tiger back, but is he really back? And then he ended up winning the tournament. And I really do believe he's back. I think I think when you have a player like a Tiger Woods, you have to put him in the same vein as a Jack Nicklaus, as a Muhammad Ali, uh, as a Tom Brady, as a Joe Namath. Some of these guys that rise to the occasion – Every time they tee it up, you, you can't count them out. And I think just when when somebody starts saying, oh, this guy's done or that guy's through, they, they, tend, to, they tend to just prove everybody wrong and win. So if we were to be talking about this Monday after the Masters and Tiger wins by one or wins in the playoff or wins by five, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. If you flip that over, the other side of the page is Jordan Spieth, who you mentioned. And golf is such a cruel game, as you know. Uh, you know, everybody's saying, what's wrong with Spieth after he, you know, is in the stratosphere in 2015 and 2016, consistently winning majors. And then he goes on a, I guess, a slump, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but he played very well and was in contention here last year, right? People forget that. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Well, Jordan Spieth is an incredibly talented young man, not only with his golf game, with his with his clubs and putting and chipping, but he's a great person. And he's a wonderful spokesman and representative of not only his family, his sponsors, but the game of golf. So I'm always pulling for Jordan because I'm a big fan. But when you look back on Jordan's career, when he came out and he hold the bunker shot to win the John Deere Classic, he had no status. And basically, when you have no status, you have no expectations. All you're doing is hoping for the best. And I think if I were to advise Jordan right now, and he's never asked me, nor probably would he, but I would say, Jordan, remember, go back to being that kid. Go back. I know you've won three majors. You won the Open and the and uh, uh, the British and, and uh, the, the – uh, the master, you won everything so quickly, but that's not going to happen to you every year. We've seen only two players win consistently like that, Nicholas and Woods. Everybody else, Player and Watson and Mickelson and Ben Hogan, they all kind of throw majors in, but not on a consistent basis because they're hard to win. They're really hard to win because you're playing against the best players in the game. So I think Jordan's, he's just trying too hard. He's trying to live up to the to his expectations, and he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. But knowing him and knowing the competitor that he is, he wants to prove something to himself. So I'm I've always said this: talent may may take a vacation for a while. It may go hide somewhere, but it never goes away. So once something clicks for Spieth, it could be this week, it could be next month, could be at the Open, it could be somewhere down the road, but it will click for him, and he will be back in the winner's circle. Two guys that, from a fan perspective, 
everybody loves. Rory has really, uh, you know, his Q score has gone through the roof in the last six months with a lot of the PR he's done. Um, he obviously is just a great guy. But the other guy is Ricky Fowler. And you got two guys here that if either one of those two, I think even more so with Ricky, uh, I mean, he breaks through and wins a major at Augusta. I mean, I'm going to break down and cry. Yeah, Ricky Fowler's the second coming of uh, of Arnold Palmer. I've I've seen Ricky. Fortunately, I was I was schooled at the feet of Arnold Palmer. The way that he handled himself on and off the golf course, he was always giving and always kind and always grateful for what he had. I see Ricky in the same vein. I've never seen Ricky blow anybody off or walk by a group without without acknowledging them, especially if somebody says, would you sign this cap or would you sign this ball? He will do it. And, and I, I do believe that, that uh, Ricky will win a major. It's just, again, like I said about Jordan, just just go out and play golf. Don't, don't expect anything. Just go play golf. And I think that's where Rory is right now, and that's why you're seeing Rory on the leaderboard. I mean, he's on the leaderboard every week. Yeah. He's been finishing top five every every week. And then he wins the players this year. It's such a, a wonderful time to see players like Spieth and Fowler and Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and, and Mickelson is kind of the Pied Piper. They really care about the fans. They care about the people in the game of golf. And that helps to grow the game of golf. But I agree with you. I, I, I just think these young kids today in the game, it's fun for me. Whenever I have a chance to play with them in, in a pro-am or an outing, I get to see them up close and personal. And, and when I'm doing television, I have a chance to, to talk with them. And I would put, I'd put Sergio, and I'd put Kuchar, and I'd put Furek, even at 48, and Phil at 48. I, I, I just think there is a great group of golfers right now on the PGA Tour that really understand who they are to the game, and what they mean to the game. And they all care so much about giving back. Two guys I don't want to piss off would be Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed, our defending champion. We haven't talked about him. Uh, obviously not necessarily a fan favorite. A lot of the stuff and the stories off the course. How do you like his chances? I mean, he really hasn't been playing that well. No, you're right. Well, there's two more names you could add to the list we talked about that could very easily win. Brooks is a I think he's underrated. I, I just think that Brooks is so good. There are many players that people stop, other players stop on the range to watch hit balls, but Brooks is one of them because the ball just explodes off his club face, much like Henrik Stenson. People stop to watch him as well. Patrick has been going through some swing changes. He's been unhappy with his game. He added David Ledbetter to his instructional team. He's got a couple of really good good uh, teachers that he works with, and now he's added David Ledbetter. So we will see. I, I, I don't know. Some players like a lot of instruction and a lot of uh, analysis. Other players don't. I think Patrick is turning out to be somebody that likes analysis. He likes to understand what he does with his golf swing. When you think of other players like a Mickelson, Phil plays by feel. He has an instructor, but when you see the shots that, that, that Phil hits, it's all by feel. Same with Tiger. The great shots they've hit in their career is by feel. Other players like to be more analytical. 
Jim Furyk was another one that comes to mind. He's pretty analytical. And maybe Patrick Reed's turning out to be that way. So who knows? He may sneak in there and go back to back at Augusta. If you had to pick one guy as your dark horse, all those other guys you can't have, you just mentioned, somebody that's not in that pack who could sneak in and win this thing, somebody that nobody's talking about, who would it be? Well, my two dark horses for the week would be Stenson and Patrick Cantlay. Mm. Patrick Cantlay, the young man from UCLA, he is an incredibly gifted young man, but doesn't have any weaknesses. And when you say somebody doesn't have any weaknesses, then that also means that nothing in their game jumps out at you. For example, Mickelson, when you say his strengths are his creativity, because he can hit incredible shots from behind trees. Well, on the flip side of that, that that basically tells you that he's a wild driver because he puts the ball in positions where he has to be creative. On the other hand, Patrick Cantlay, he drives the ball straight. He drives the ball long. He's a solid iron player, and he's an excellent putter. So I will go out on a limb here and say I think Patrick Cantlay is going to have a good week. I I really like his game, and I I like his – I like the way that he's also under the radar. Okay. Well, it's a podcast, so we can go back and rewind the tape. That's the nice thing here. and <laughs> We'll know if you That's were right. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out on a limb here. <laughs> where do you, Augusta, give us a restaurant. I mean, give us, throw us a bone there. I mean, where do you, where do you go to eat? I go to T-Bones. Okay, me too. T-Bones, okay. I've, been, I've been eating there since I played. Uh, when I played back in uh, the 80s and 90s and uh, early 2000s, it is a steakhouse. It is the place to be. In fact, I'm eating there uh, when I'm in Augusta this week. So it is the the place to go. T-Bones, very simple name. B-O-N-Z, right? T-Bones. You got it. That's a good pick. I like that. I And I can't think of any place else other than Hooters. And if you go there, you'll run into John Daly, right? Yeah, if you need to pick up a pair of John Daly under, underwear or a shot glass, <laughs> he'll be he'll be in the parking lot at Hooters. Always fun catching up with Peter Jacobson. Want to thank Jake for taking time out to share his insight with us. Thanks to our friends at Reynolds Lake Oconee as well. Six spectacular golf courses here. Love this place, and we'll be back in a couple weeks to spend more time going to go behind the scenes and bring you extended shows not only here on slice but our popular wine show vintage in our real estate podcast home and wealth next time we'll catch up with patrick keenig here on slice he's crisscrossing the country in his recreational golf vehicle it's the rgv tour also stitch golf Trackman, and wheels up in the weeks ahead For now, though, sit back and enjoy the Masters, and we'll talk more next time here on Slice. Thanks for downloading Slice, a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Full disclosure, our legal department doesn't allow mulligans. 